you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Welcome to Buckets. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. This is your play-in Wednesday workshop. We're going to break down the best bets in the NBA. I'm going to do that with my guys, professional better, Raheem Palmer. Raheem, we're recording this on Tuesday. You and I are going head-to-head tonight on Clippers-Wolves. We'll see who comes out ahead on that one. But overall, how are you doing? Doing good. I can't complain. I'm excited for, honestly, this is my favorite sports weekend of the year. Um, awesome. Like, more than the Super Bowl, probably more than, like, I think a lot of people like the, the Major League Baseball playoffs. But this weekend, is just nonstop. NBA playoffs, game after game, the league at its highest level. So I'm excited. My wife always takes my two kids to her mom's for Easter. Mm-hmm. And so I get the house to myself for the playoffs. And I always prep to uh, like, I will cook something. I'm going to slow cook uh, ribs. That's what I'm doing this weekend. And a guajillo Ooh. sauce. It's going to be amazing. I'm psyched. It's going to be so good. Uh, and then, yeah, you, you, just sit around, you just sit around and watch eight playoff games in two days it's gonna be amazing uh brandon anderson nba futures analyst brandon what's your favorite part about the opening weekend yeah i agree the the game ones to me it's like opening eight new presents in a row because it's like to to, there's no other time you know any other beginning of a round you get the weird overlap where it's like well we got a game seven but the other game one already started for the next series and which round are we in this is like the two days where you're guaranteed to just get the entire four day slate and you get to see just the the thing that you love about these NBA series is you, you see the adjustments and the little things and, okay, well, we're seeing this or this guy's playing more minutes or he's starting to fade a little bit. That might be a prop to keep an eye on later. You just get to learn so much. Like for me at the start of the season, we had that podcast, Matt, at the beginning of the year after one game each where we just jumped on. We're like, okay, what's one thing we learned about every single team? This is like that all over again, but with the stakes through the roof. So uh, I love it. I'm excited to just dive in and watch all the game ones and uh, excited to watch some Wolves basketball and, and see some other non-Wolves teams get eliminated this week. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go ahead and dive in. We did on yesterday's show, we did the best bets for Tuesday. Monday, we had our futures episode. You can go check that out if you want a big picture look. Tomorrow, we'll have Western Conference previews. The next day, we'll uh, no, tomorrow we'll have Eastern Conference previews. 
next day we'll have Western conference previews, conference previews next two days. And then we'll have another workshop for the Friday games. Let's not waste any more time. Let's dive into it. All right. So Wednesday night, the nine, 10 matchups teams that arguably should not still be in this thing, but they are because the money must be made. Uh, the let's start with the Hawks. Okay. The Hawks are hosting the Hornets on Wednesday. Hawks are five point favorites. The total is two thirty six and a half. Raheem, what do you have this model at? What's your bet? Yeah, I have this modeled at 240. So it's like I'm looking at a higher scoring game. And then believe it or not, I actually have this game at a pick 'em for the second half of the year. And look, a big part of that is the fact that the Hornets have really come on strong lately. They're six in offensive rating over the last two weeks, scoring 122 points per one to possessions. And look, you got two bad defenses. Both of these defenses are just not good at all. And I kind of look at this like the NFL. Like you have those fire drill overs to where you just, you see two bad defenses, two good offenses, and they can't make this total high enough. The Hawks are 26 in defensive rating. They're giving up 114 points per possessions. The Hornets are 20th in defensive rating, giving up 113. And more importantly, the Hornets are fifth in pace. They're fifth in offensive length of possession and are eighth in defensive length of possession. So this is likely going to be a fast-paced game with both teams getting up at the floor. I know it is kind of a playoff game, but I still think both t- these teams can light it up and what should be a close game. All right, it's time for my obligatory discussion of pick-and-roll schemes because that's that's my bad. <laughs> uh, both these teams run – well, the Hornets run switch more than any other team in the league. That is their – base coverage is they just want to switch mm-hmm. everything. It's a big reason why they dropped this year in terms of defensive rating. They were good last year and got worse because they got rid of Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo, who are two of the best switch defenders in the league last year. That may not make sense. I'm just telling you what it was like. They just mm-hmm. did really well covering in those switch coverages. Uh, the Hawks are 17th in the league in offense versus switch coverage. They do not want to run against switch coverage. They want to run against drop so that Trey young has got lots of space. Uh, the Hawks average just 0.94 points per uh, possession versus switch coverage. That's a big edge, I think, for the Hornets. I immediately like wonder, like, all right, John Collins probably isn't going to play in this. So, like, what you know, how have the Hawks done? Surprisingly, this really surprised me. Hawks are 17 and 11 straight up without Collins, 15, 12, and one against the spread, 56%. So, I was a little surprised at that. I figured that they would have suffered a lot more without Collins, who I think is their second best player. They're 10 and five as a favorite without Collins this season. So here I've got the Hawks have really good numbers without John Collins. The Hornets have a matchup in the pick and roll department. I like your play of the over. Don't know if I'm going to be able to bet this game. I really don't. I'm going to bet Capella over rebounds. I talked about this on heat check because of the switch. You're going to have Mason Plumlee out on the perimeter. You're going to have miles bridges out on the perimeter. You're going to have, all of those guys out on the perimeter and then Capella's Capella averaged 12.5 rebounds per game in less than 29 minutes in the matchups this season versus the Hornets. So I think Capella goes over his lines, 12 and a half. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with the over on rebounds for Capella. Brandon, I have a hard time finding like a side approach on this. I don't hate Raheem's total bet. It's a big number. What do you like for this game? Yeah, it's weird because both of these teams, I came in thinking like, all right, well, this is just kind of, you know, this is a walkover because you you have no John Collins. So the Hawks should be not as good as they should be, but they're 11 and five since John Collins went out. 
they've had that's the best record in the NBA during that span. And I realize like we're tanking and resting for the end of the season, but still 11 and five is 11 and five. And since January 17th, the Hawks are third in offensive rating. And then the Hornets, I was thinking like, all right, well, Gordon Hayward is out. So that's a big piece missing. The Hornets must be worse. The Hornets are not worse. Since the all-star break, the Hornets are second in offensive rating. And Hayward has basically not played since then. So what's happening without both of these guys is both teams are just being like, all right, well, I guess we shoot threes more now. And they're all making them like every player's threes are up. So I, I got props on threes for overs in both of these games or both these teams. I mean, uh, here's my angle on the side though. So the thing that I noticed looking back at the matchup here, you talked about the switch. Terry Rozier has made Trey Young's life a living hell in this matchup. And as much as the Hornets are not defending, we're not expecting a lot of defense in this game. The Hornets have really defended Trey Young about as well as anyone. Last game against the Hornets, he had nine points on three of 12 shooting. So this is the worst scoring game of the year. For the season, he's under 39% from the field, 20.8 points per game, which is still 20 points a game, but pretty low for Trey. In his last season, too, same thing. So over the last two seasons against the Hornets, Trey Young on six games is averaging 17.5 points a game, five turnovers a game, 35% from the field. Basically, they're pressuring him, forcing the ball out of his hands, and then, like, Terry Rozier is guarding him out to half court, like, just staying on and saying, like, no, no, we're just, no, you don't get the ball back, Trey. Let's see what everyone else can do. And... I mean, it's working. It's working pretty well. So I'm kind of with Raheem on this one and that I, to me, here's the angle. I agree. I think this is basically a coin flip game. I think it's just going to come down to who hits their threes. There's going to be a lot of them. The Hornets are plus 168 on the money line. So if you're giving me plus 168 on what feels like a shooting contest and a coin flip, that's the angle for me is just to, to take the 37% implied and just hope that the Hornets are the guys that make their shots, not the Hawks. I got a question. So how much do you guys weigh in what happened last year in the playing game? I mean, obviously the Hornets didn't make the playing tournament and they never were in the game completely blown up. Uh, I lost a lot of money on that game. So I don't want to talk about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe there's something to be said here for Borrego, uh, but I don't know, man. I don't know how to get a read on either of these teams because that's it's kind of I think it's one of the inherent problems with the with the nine ten play in is you got to, is you have two teams that by definition the reason they're here is they're inconsistent right they're not bad enough to be out of it but they're not good enough to be in the in the play in or in the in the playoffs or in the in the seven eight so it's like I don't know what to anticipate like do you have an angle based off of what happened last year no I just was I mean I don't know sometimes I like to look at it from a motivational edge and a big part of my handicapping is look, I mean, we saw the Memphis Grizzlies. They lose the first ever playing game to the Portland trailblazers. They yeah. come back the next year. They beat the golden state warriors. You have this young star in John Morant and he wants it. And I'm kind of seeing that same look in LaMelo ball right now. And you have an inconsistent team in the Atlanta Hawks. And to me, the Hornets are playing good basketball right now. It's just for the longest time, Gordon Hayward, we spoke about this all year. He was one of the most high impact players on this team. And now it, it feels like they found something. And 
without John Collins, I don't know how much I trust this Hawks team. I, I think this line is a little bit high. So I, I think I would lean towards the Hornets. I mean, it feels like what happened was without John Collins, without Gordon Hayward, both of these teams were like, well, I guess we pretty much just have to give the ball to our star point guard and let him do everything. And, oh, hey, that's working out pretty well. LaMelo and Trey are doing everything. LaMelo's last 14 games, he's made 4.4 threes per game on over nine attempts at 48%. So they're just firing shots up. The whole team, both teams are just firing a ton of threes, letting their star point guard just do everything. And like LaMelo looks ready for the moment. So I, I agree with you on that. I disagree. Uh, I don't like how LaMelo has played all year. He looked a little bit better over the last, like, I don't know, two, three weeks. He's sloppy. He's sloppy. Shot selection isn't great. Uh, I'm not ready. I'm not sure that LaMelo is ready for this moment. I'll just say that. Maybe you'll prove me wrong. We'll see. I mean, uh, the, the Hawks The Hawks are not the biggest moment. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like It's, it's the biggest moment <laughs> of his career. Yeah, well, that's that's true. That's true. Like, I, I will say this. The thing, I, right, is it's like, like John Morant went in there and beat Golden State. In the play-in, that was a yeah, big it's step. It's not the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. But it's also just like I get what you're saying, but Lamelo's never been at this level before. He hasn't. He hasn't. This is I the mean, big. they played. They played in this game, and they they can't be any worse than they were last year. <laughs> yeah, Matt knows that. Uh, I will say one thing. I scored away on this game is this: the 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 only hope for either of these teams is to get in as the eighth seed, and then you play the Heat. The Heat give up a huge number of three pointers. And as I prepped for this game, my main takeaway was whoever wins here, if they beat presumably the Cavs, they're going to get their threes up. And I think they're going to be live in those games against the Heat because that's the whole Heat defense thing. So I'm not like we're we're down the line there, but whoever wins here, I think will be interesting. Can I do props? Yes, absolutely. Get the props. Uh, Just as I said, three point over. So LaMelo ball over three and a half threes. I kind of made that case already. He's over that in 11 of four of the last 14 games. So I like that one on the Hawks though. I like even better is Kevin Herter. He's the guy because it's back to the Trey young thing. If Trey gets blitzed and they force the ball out of his hands, then that means somebody else, those secondary playmakers have to do something. And as much as Trey's numbers have been down this year against the Hornets, Herter is averaging 18 points a game against them. He's only at 12 for the season. So that's a 50% increase. His, he's made 17 threes in four games. So over four per game, 2.2 the rest of the season against everyone else. So I like Kevin Herter over two and a half threes. That's at plus money right now. I'm doing the escalator thing. Four or more threes is plus 280. Sprinkle the five or more plus 720. I don't know about five. That's a lot for a big game like this, but we're getting a lot of threes up. I think Kevin Herter is going to have to really show up when they force the ball to Trey's hands. The other game on Wednesday night, you've got the San Antonio Spurs taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans are five and a half point favorite. Totals 227. Uh, I lean towards the over in this one. I will just tell you right now, guys, like I don't have a strong, this one I think is a, I did the favorites podcast, which you can listen to. We did an Eastern conference or a NBA playoffs preview. And one of the things I said about, um, we were talking about was how you have to pick your spots, right? This to me is a, you pick your spots. Like I don't, I don't find a lot of value here. The Pelicans seem like a much stronger team. I'm not sure they are. The Spurs have been better as of late. I don't trust them. I feel like the over is a play because the Pelicans defense has been bad lately. And the Spurs played a really fast pace 
motivationally, this could be Popovich's last game. I don't know what that means for the Spurs. The Pelicans have guys that have been there in terms of Jonas Valanciunas and CJ McCollum. They've been in these kind of spots. I don't like, I don't honestly love having to be like, oh, I really need Brandon Ingram to come through for me. I don't love that. I don't, I don't love that. Um, Brandon, do you have a side or, or total on this game? Yeah, I, I feel like this is a pretty coin flippy game as well. So I'm kind of doing the same thing here I did with the other one, which is Spurs are plus 185 on the money line. I think I'm going to play the Spurs because I think that this game is going to be close. I actually lean under here. The, these teams actually played three times since the new look Pelicans and really the new look Spurs came around. They've played three times in the last month or so. And the last two games finished with 210 and 215 points. And this feels like one of those games that could turn into a bit of a rock fight of just like, well, we missed another shot. Oh, back to the glass for another offensive rebound. Oh, another shot miss. Like, we're, we're, that's what happened these last couple of games. The Spurs, they just really struggle to score sometimes. There's just not a ton of offense there. And the Pelicans can score if the shots are falling, but I just don't really trust either of these offenses a lot. So I feel like if I'm leaning under, that probably means it's a closer game. If it's a closer game, that leans toward a coin flip sort of situation. And then Spurs plus 185. I just, I feel like, I trust DeJounte Murray to have a big game. I think that he can be the best player on the court here. And we know what Pop is going to do in this spot. We know that his guys are going to be ready. They're going to get those little margins. I think it will be close. And I think it going either way. So I like the plus 185. Right. Yeah, I, I think I'm leaning towards the Spurs in this matchup. I mean, look, the Spurs have won the season series and obviously CJ McCollum and this new look Pelicans team weren't there the whole time, but the last time they played the Pelicans laid seven at home and the Spurs won 107-103. That was on March 26th. And now they come back and open this line at five. We're up to five and a half. And to me, I think the Spurs have just been in better form. I mean, first things first, as a role underdog, they're 19 12 and one against the spread. They've also, in their last 11 games, they're nine one and one against the spread. And look, you look at the last 10 games, the Spurs are 10th, no, they're third in defensive rating. They're allowing just 109 points per one to possessions. You mentioned this, Matt. The Pelicans' defense hasn't really been great lately. They're 20th in defensive rating over the last 10 games. They're giving up 116 points per one to possessions. So if this is a rock fight, I think I want the team who is, is scrappy. They've been there before. I mean, this team was in the playing game last year. They played the Memphis Grizzlies in the 9-10 game. And I don't know if you guys remember, the Spurs were getting blown out. And they came back and made, made it a game. And Brandon, I do think DeJounte Murray can be the best player in this game. And I think you got a, you got a real scrappy team. I just think five points is a little bit too much from what we've seen from these two teams playing each other this year. I'm going to go with the Spurs. They said that their goal was to make the play-in, and they knocked out the Lakers. If they make the playoffs, doesn't that change their draft order, Brandon? No, I actually don't know the answer to that question. But I, but I don't think like either of these teams is going to lose the next play-in game, right? We're we're yeah, all going to be on the other side. But if, if you're if you're the front office, so here here's the thing: Dejounte was asked about the, how the, how the like if the play-in's a goal, and he was like, "For us as the players, yeah." He was like, it's, it really doesn't matter to us. I took real note of that because the way that it sounded to me, and this is me like reading into it, and it wouldn't surprise me is if the front office and the coaching staff, especially after trading Derek White, were like, all right, like 
let's let's try and get ourselves a pick. And the players were like, no, 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 for whatever reason, like the extra money, whatever. Yeah. Like, no, we want to make it. And the team's like, all right, we'll, we'll go for it. But there's like, if it actually, right, like right now they have better odds than the Wizards. But if the draft order changes, no, no, it locks. It locks, so they're okay. Yeah. Uh, we're this this is a little too much like we're we're in a play-in setting like i get it world where pop and these guys are not gonna go for the win i don't think this is relevant at all here uh okay all right i i just you're 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 in a spot like like a couple weeks ago maybe you shut it down and and you play for the draft pick and everything but you're here now you have to play to win the game like this is especially there are degrees there are degrees of going for it does that make sense yeah i agree definitely makes sense but I, I just here's the thing. I don't want to be. I grew up branded, but I don't want to be dismissive because of who you are and how much you've covered the NBA. So is there any precedent for a team just saying, "Look, we're just not gonna like"? I just can't. No, because like the play-in's too new, right? Yeah. yeah. Like the play-in is is just it's too new. In terms, it of- almost would be anti-competitive. Yeah, I can't imagine. I get From it. From a draft it's, standpoint, too, this is not the draft to be like, well, we got to lock up the number 12 pick. God help us. We fall to number 15. Like, this is this is not the draft for that. There's there's no drop in that range. I, I mean, I get it. I, I'm not worried about that. It's more about, like, removing any chance you have of a significant pick. Yeah. So, so the yeah. jump the jump odds are pretty low at where they're at, though. I understand. Uh, what, uh, one other, one fine, other matchup. Pretend, it's fine. Let's pretend it's not a thing. Um, what <laughs> one one other matchup thing I wanted to point out here right. is uh, – the Pelicans is the Pelicans defense that's been so strong. A lot of that has been turnovers since the start of February. They're number one in the NBA, forcing turnovers, number one in steals. The one thing that the Spurs offense does well always is protect the ball. They never turn it over in the games where they've played recently. Three of those games, the Spurs didn't turn it over in, in two of them. They only had five turnovers in one of those games. That's the thing we know a pop team is not going to turn the ball over. We know DeJounte is going to take care of the ball. So I think that is another reason for me to lean under and to lean toward a closer game. He's going to take away some of those easier points that the Pelicans are getting. What are your props for this game? Uh, I had, so no surprises. I'm on DeJounte Murray just racking up stuff. (laughs) So I'm taking his points, rebounds, assists over. We talked about that in one of our guys yesterday. Uh, So 40 and a half is the line there. I don't know. He's going to score a lot, not on herb. I'm excited for a national audience to get to get exposed to herb Jones and Jose Alvarado in this game. Uh, But Murray's just going to play a lot and do a lot of things. So over 40 and a half point rebounds, assists plus 475 for a triple double. He's had either a triple double or been one or two away in six of the last 20 games since the Derek white trade, since white was traded, he's averaging 26, eight and nine and a half. So he's basically like putting up Russell Westbrook numbers and defending. Imagine that. So DeJounte Murray. And then what did I have on the other side? Oh, uh, just a little one. Jonas Valanciunas over two and a half assists before they kind of ramped him down the last few games to rest. He is averaging 3.8 assists in the last 10 games with at least two in every game over an eight of the 10. So that one's even odd. So just Valanciunas, you know, Remember, he had a huge, huge uh, both games, I think, in the play-in last year. So I think they'll play through him a lot. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for Buckets. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with a Eastern Conference first-round series preview. Thursday, we'll do the Western Conference first-round playoff preview. We will have everything except the 1-8 settled. We'll talk about both scenarios for those games. On Friday, we'll have another workshop breaking down the final 
play-in games for the eighth seed. We'll talk about those as well as we'll kind of circle back on whatever news has come out, including probably some Luka Doncic discussion as well. Make sure to follow us in the Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks. Download the award-winning Action Network app right now. Hit us with those five-star reviews if you got the time. Really appreciate it. Hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you guys again next time. Let's get buckets. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.